seated. Father, Lord, we come before your presence. We give you glory and honor this morning. There's no one like you, Father, Lord. There's no one in the earth like you. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. This morning, we pray for your word. Let your word do what it's meant to do, Father, Lord, which is to restore, to build, to, to bring healing, Father, Lord. I will give you all the glory and honor this morning, Father Lord. You know I'm just a vessel, Father Lord, a, a, a broken vessel before your perfect presence, Father God. And I will give you glory and I will give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The scriptures read like this this morning. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Uh, there, as you see that, you may want to open up your scripture or your, or your app. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, read like this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See, the, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all his splendor, and and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how... God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire. Will, not, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying what I shall eat or what shall I, what shall I drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This morning, I want to speak to you under the theme, a remedy for, for anxiety. A remedy for anxiety, right? In this passage, we see that Jesus is teaching his disciples. And as he's teaching his disciples, he's running a, diag a, a spiritual diagnostic test on them, right? And he's able to see the problem and their, their concern of worrying so much. He's able to see what's bothering them. Why? Because these fishermen, his disciples, they weren't... They weren't lazy people. I just want to put that out there. They were men that woke up at 3 and 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning and cast, to go cast their nets and bring loads of fish so that they can provide for their family. They were workers. They were men that uh, were accustomed to, to bringing in the bread, the income to their homes, right? We're grateful for for working men and women uh, nowadays, right? This was their concern. Peter had left his wife and family. 
John and James have left uh, their dad, Zebedee, with the, with the fisherman business, right? They, they just walked away from their income. They walked away from their, their needs of provision to follow Jesus. They left everything to follow him. And Jesus, as he's teaching them, he sees that they are worried. And in the passage I just finished reading, the word worry comes out six times. It pops out. And Jesus is trying to tell them, uh, uh, don't worry. Because worry will steal your peace. Because worrying will, will steal your joy. Because worrying will have you turning and tossing at night uh, without having a proper night of sleep. Worrying will cause you to, to lose your hair. Worrying will cause your body to develop symptoms that, that are harmful for you. Worrying will cause your blood pressure to go up and, have, and cause you to have chest pains, right? And Jesus doesn't want to walk with his disciples in this manner. I want to tell you this morning that that's not God's will for your life either. That, that God does not want you to walk around worrying. Praise the Lord. Because worrying shows the lack of, of trust and faith that we have towards a good God, towards the creator. I mean, let's think about this. Should I trust God for the salvation of my soul, but not trust him for, the, for my daily bread? Should I trust God for, for the salvation of my soul and, and for the salvation of my home, but not trust him for my daily provision? Does that even make sense? If we trust God uh, for the salvation of our souls, a daily provision is nothing for him. <laughs> But you see, the enemy wants you to worry. He wants you to not be at peace. He wants you to focus on that problem. He wants you to have anxiety. But this morning, I want to tell you that, that God will provide. That, that God will provide and he will continue providing. Uh, hasn't he not provided already? Hasn't he not done already? Oh, man, this morning as I was meditating, I said, God, if you don't do nothing else for me, if you don't do nothing else, you already have done enough. You have already opened up the doors. You already have provided. You have already sustained my family. God, if you do nothing else, you already have done enough. Haven't he done enough for you? He has. If not, we wouldn't be here this morning. He has. Uh, Jesus is the great physician, and he sees what's bothering his disciples. And because he has a mission for these disciples, do you know that God has a mission for you? You know, some people might say, well, you know, I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a deacon. Well, you know that God has a purpose for you right where you're right at work. God has a purpose for you right there in your job. 
God has a purpose for you in the career that you're studying. God has a purpose for every single one of us. Just because not all of us are pastors and deacons and evangelists, that doesn't mean that God does not have a purpose. There is a purpose with your name attached to it. Hallelujah. And God knows that this purpose needed to be uh, revealed to his disciples, and he is going to attend to his disciples. There is a remedy for your problem. There is a remedy for your worry this morning. The first point that I want to tell you, the first point, the first remedy for anxiety is to know, to know that God will care for his creation. Yeah, God will care for his creation. The creator will take, will take care of what he has created. Genesis 1, 20, uh, Genesis chapter 127 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. You see, when God was working, I, I, and I want to put a side, a, make a side note to this. Because a lot of people think that work started after the fall of man. Work started from Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says that God was working. So the, the work that sometimes people talk about, you ever heard people say, well, oh man, we all got to go to work. Because, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, the fall of man, God said that man will work and, and through the sweat of his brow he will earn a, a, a living for his family. We all got to work thanks to Adam and Eve. That's an error. God was working from the beginning of time. And the Bible says that as he was working, he created the heavens and the earth and, and the grass. And as you read the seven days account of God's work in creation, the six days account of God's work in creation, it says after day one and everything that God made was good. After day two and everything that God made was good. All the way. But and then he says, everything that I've made is good. But then he says, I'm going to make my greatest creation now. And then he says, God created mankind in his own image. Hallelujah. In his own image. And then after he created mankind, he said, God saw what he had made, and it was very good. Oh, man. God is saying, creation was good. But man, you are better than creation. God is saying, I, I, I love, you know, Romans 1.20 says that creation declares uh, God's glory. But you are God's even, uh, you are his greatest creation. Uh, yes, nature declares his glory, but you are made in God's image. And God uh, is pleased with you. Hallelujah. And after he made man and woman, he said, it was very Good. I could picture God like, yeah, we get in there. This is, this is what I wanted to create. And look at Genesis 2.15. Because work existed before the fall of man, look what he does. Genesis 2.15 says, 
the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So he says, I made my greatest creation, but now I'm going to take my greatest creation and I'm going to put him to tend to my creation. I'm going to put him to, to, to nourish and take care of the ground. Hallelujah. Yeah. God loves us like nothing else. Like you're special to him. And you need to understand that you are God's greatest creation. I am God's greatest creation. And then because God will care for his creation, look what happens. He gave Adam responsibility of the whole garden. But then something happened. He saw that, that Adam and Eve got into some trouble down there. He sees that, that Satan came and, and deceived the woman and, and tricked her into eating the apple. He, I can picture God in his throne, and, he, and he's standing up, and he says, Now we got a problem. Uh, Satan, you have messed with my greatest creation. You see, I didn't mind you swerving around the garden. I, I didn't mind you uh, wandering around the roses and the lilies and the grass and the tree. I didn't mind that. Uh, that's creation. I didn't mind you being in the midst of creation. But because you have messed with, the, with my greatest creation, <laughs> you, see, you see how he separates us? Because you have messed with Adam, uh, I got news for you this morning. You see, the, the enemy does not have power over your life the way you allow him to have it at times. He doesn't have that power. Why? Because the minute that Adam and Eve got in trouble, God said, you messed up. You see, uh, you just stuck your nose in the business that didn't have nothing to do with you. <laughs> yeah, because God created us. And because he promised to take care of us, he says, now I'm going to send my son, the second Adam. Oh, man. Last week we, we spoke about resurrection. Jesus had to come down and take the death of a, of, a, of a thief, of a murderer at the cross because God cares for his greatest creation. Oh, man. That's enough to, to make me shout. I'm so grateful that, that God cares for you and I more than anything else in this world. Oh, yeah. He cares for you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. No, no devil can hold back what God has planned for you. Hallelujah. But you can delay those plans yourself. You know, I was doing a burial a couple months back. And as I was, uh, about a month ago, I, I was uh, there at the cemetery and and as I was walking there and I saw all the, all the graves and all the people that, that have passed throughout the centuries, right, something came to mind. All the men and women that died without discovering their purpose. All the men and women that died without even tapping into what God had predestined for their lives. 
That is a sad truth. But this morning, God wants you to know, don't let the enemy steal what I have for you by worrying so much about what you don't have. Hallelujah. I'm going to send my son Jesus down there because I've promised to take care of all creation. John 3.16 says, For so God loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Hebrews 1.3 says, The son is the radiance of his glory and the representation of of his essence, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. The church is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He's promised to take care of all creation and he promised to take care of us from the beginning of time by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and me. You can clap for that. That's why David said in Psalms 37, verse 25, I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Why? Because he promised to take care of us. He provided Jesus on the cross of Calvary for you and I. And he says, because I sent my son down there, you will always be taken care of. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for that. The second point this morning, the second remedy for anxiety is knowing that we're valuable to God. Knowing that you're valuable to God. He promised to take care of you. And he promised to take care of all creation. God knows how valuable you are. Because he would not send his son down here to die for us if we had no value. But because we were made in his image, he sent his son down here to, to, to take the death of a thief on the cross by these brutal Romans because you're valuable. He knows your value. Hallelujah. But the question today is, do you know your value? God knows your value because he sent his son. Do you know your value? Don't walk around without knowing your value because the enemy is going to have a field day with you. Verse 26 says of Matthew, the scripture we were reading, he says, verse 26 says, are you not much more valuable than they? Than, than what? 
Are you not much more valuable than the flowers, the birds in the air, and the grass? Are you not much more valuable than the garden, in it, than the garden itself? Oh, yeah. You're, you're much more valuable than that. Philippians 4.19 says, And God will meet all your needs according to his riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He will provide for your needs, but he's not going to provide your wants. Your needs is exactly what you need. God says, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to provide what you need. I'm not going to provide your wants. Hallelujah. Uh, You could shout to that. I mean, you know what it is? Uh, Sometimes we worry because of the lack of our wants. They're not really our needs. And because we lack the wants, we tend to worry, and this worry tends to cause this anxiety because we don't have what we want, even though we already have what we need. I want what my neighbor has. If you focus a lot on social media, which I love social media, and I do give a lot of likes, but I'm not liking my neighbor's expensive car. I'm liking uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one, which is more than, than, than your car. Costs more than your car, probably, <laughs> right? So I, I have my things that I like, my comic books. I love my comics. But when we focus our wants and make them a priority, that's when the enemy creeps in. Because he knows that what you want is not really a need, right? And and because you're desperate to have what you want, he's going to say, well, what are you willing to do to have what you want? That's the question that he's going to present to you. What are you willing to sacrifice to have what you want? Oh, man. Don't sacrifice your purpose to have what you want. Don't sacrifice God's divine plan for your life to have some wants. Hallelujah. You see, don't measure your value with what someone else says or has in regards to you. Don't let someone else give you your value. But if you don't know what your value is, then when someone comes to label you and give you your value, you're going to take it. But when you know that you are valuable, when you know that, that the God who sent his son for, valuable, for this valuable creation, which is you and I, when you know what you're worth, the enemy cannot have his way with you. Some people measure their value with things, with possessions. The world measures value with how much money you have in your bank account, what car you're living in, and where you, what, what neighborhood you live in. You know, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. And it didn't happen here in this church. But I, I was having a conversation a couple years back, and, and uh, I said, hey, man, maybe we should get, we should get uh, together for dinner. 
And, uh, I said, and the person's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Where do you live? I said, I live in Jamaica, Queens. The person uh, put a frown. Jamaica, Queens? Isn't that, isn't that bad over there? I said, well, it depends. What, it depends what, what do you define as bad, right? Uh, I'm not any less blessed because I live in Jamaica, Queens. I'm just as blessed as the person that lives in Beverly Hills. Why? Because I know my value. Because my value doesn't come by someone else's words. It comes by the word of God. Hallelujah. Do I want a house in Beverly Hills? If you give it to me, I'm taking it. But it does not determine my value. What you drive does not determine your value. The amount of money you have in your bank account does not determine your value. Your value is much, much higher than that. It's so high that Jesus came and died for you. Hallelujah. He says you're valuable. How valuable am I? First Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I got value. You got value. Even if you live in the hood, you got value. Don't be anxious and worried, the Lord says this morning. Because I will make a way for you. I will bring provision. I will make a way where there ain't no way. I will open a door where the doors seem to be closed. I will split the Red Sea where there's water all over. You see, I, I could just picture Moses. He got there. He's like, Lord, where are we going? Stand the rod. Because this is, you see, God takes glory in operating on behalf of his children. He takes glory in making wonderful things and miracles for you. He gets glory in that. When people say it's not possible, God says, oh man, they don't know me yet. Oh, I don't know what's happening here. I think we're not gonna get out of this. You see, don't be anxious and worried. Be concerned. Concern and, and worry seem to be the same, but they're different. When someone is concerned, they say, well, I'm concerned because of these circumstances that came out of nowhere. Uh, let me think about finding a solution to this. That's the person that's concerned. And when the person that's concerned cannot find a solution for the same very reason that he's concerned, he sits back and says, well, there's no solution for this, but God is in control. And because God is in control, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to worry. I am concerned. But because God is in control, he will do what I can't do. That's the difference about someone that's worried and someone that's concerned. Someone that's worried is constantly repeating the same circumstances. It's overwhelming. It's draining. And the enemy is like, yeah, man, as long as you worry, you won't have your purpose. As long as you worry, you will never tap into God's glory. He's jealous because you're God's greatest creation. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you 
and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hallelujah. Your value comes from the cross of Calvary. Your value comes from that precious blood that fell down through that rugged cross that was screaming out mercy and redemption, reconciliation, restoration. My value comes from the, cow, the cross of Calvary. You see, you got to walk on this earth. You got to walk on this earth saying, I'm valuable. Even if your circumstances don't Make you feel valuable. Yeah, because the God that we serve, he's the God that shows his value when you're in your lowest moments or in your highest. He shows his value in the pit, when you're in the pit, or when you're in the palace. Oh, man. He showed his value for Joseph inside a prison cell, and he showed his value for Joseph when he was in the palace of Pharaoh. You are valuable. Don't let your circumstances tell you you're not valuable. You got to walk and operate out of that value. Can someone say amen to that? So how do we grow in understanding that value? How do you get there? Because there's a process to this. Well, the first thing I would say, when was the last time you read your scripture? Do you only read your scriptures on Sunday when you come to church? Or do you have a devotional life where in, in your home you can read and open up the scriptures daily? I mean, these days, you don't even have to open up. You can plug your ear pods and listen to it. When was the last time you heard the scripture? Because your understanding of your value will come from reading scripture. But if you don't read scripture, you're not going to know your value. And because you're not going to know your value, Satan is going to say, I'm going to give you your value. You don't know your value. When you go buy something in the store, if you don't know the value of what you're buying, the merchant can say, well, you know what? Hike up the price 20% extra. He doesn't know. If you don't know your value, your value comes through scripture reading, through the study of scripture. How else do your value comes? You read the scriptures, but you have to understand the scriptures. And in order to understand what you're reading, the Holy Spirit through your prayer life, can we get an amen for that? Through your prayer life, he will reveal and illuminate what you're reading. And when you have that illumination of God's holy word in your life, then you start to understand your true value. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to close with this third point. The remedy for anxiety. The first one is what? God will care for you. He will care for you. The second one is that your God's you're valuable to God. He cares for you and you're valuable. You're his most valuable creation. And the third one is understanding God that he has promises for you, right? The third remedy for anxiety is pursuing God's promises. 
when you know that he died on the cross for you and you know and, and, and when you know that your value, when you know your value, then you start to say, well, if I'm God's greatest creation, if, if, if he thinks of me in such way and I'm able to understand how he views me because he has revealed through his word and through prayer how valuable I am, then I'm going to operate out of that value. And because I'm operating out of that value, I am in constant pursuit of his promises. Oh, man. You see, the people that change, that bring change to community, the people that bring change to, to, to the church, the people that bring change to the lost world are those that understand their value. Are those that are in constant pursuit of God's presence. Are those that are in constant pursuit of holiness. Hallelujah. Boy, look what he says. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What he says, he says, I'm going to provide for your needs. But you got to prioritize. I'm going to provide what you need, but you got to prioritize. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. Look what Matthew 6, 19, before Jesus was even uh, addressing their worries, he says this, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where the mods and the vermin destroy and where the thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures, treasures in heaven where the moth and the vermin do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where is your treasure, there your heart will also be. Hallelujah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to operate out of my value. God says, I want you to operate out of your value this morning. Your value is what I think of you, not what your neighbor thinks of you. Your value is my holy standards. Your value is what I've done for you. My sacrifice, the cross, that's where the true value is. You want purpose? You want your life to have meaning? Understand your value. Seek what's eternal, for all this will perish one day. Galatians 5:22 and 23 says, seek to love. Seek joy, seek peace, seek kindness, seek goodness, seek faithfulness, seek, seek self-control. I will meet your needs, hallelujah. I will make a way for you. God knows what you're going through this morning. I'm going to make a way for you. Operate out of your value, not of what people say. Don't operate of what you intellectually know. Operate of what I say and, who I, and what I say about you. Hallelujah. I'm wrapping up. The musicians can meet me here at the altar. God will meet your needs, but you need to put him first. It's easy to, to ask God, Lord, can you use me? Can you bless me? Can you, can you operate on my behalf? But it's difficult to pay the price 
to seek what's eternal. For many is a challenge to, to pray daily. For many is a challenge to read scripture daily. But that's what's eternal. That's what's imperishable. That, that's, what's, that's what counts. Hallelujah. When you start to seek what's eternal, God then will say, I'm going to allow you to enjoy what's earthly. And you will enjoy what's earthly because you, you've sought what's eternal. And because you're looking for the eternal, I'm going to bless you on earth. And what I give you, and when I give, and when I take away, it wouldn't matter because you're focused on what's eternal. Hallelujah. Matthew. It says, come to me all, you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, says the Lord. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest in your souls, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Operate from your value. When people leave you and reject you, you're operating from your value. When people say that you're not going to make it and you're no good, operate from your value. When the doors close, operate from your value. I would not I would have not made it this far if it wasn't that God took all the broken pieces of my life and said, I'm going to show you what you're really worth. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to piece you together. And then you're going to start to understand what you're really worth. And when you start to understand what you're really worth, there's nothing, 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 nothing. Whether ups or downs, whether trials or tribulation, when you understand, nothing will move you from that rock, which is Jesus Christ. You may stand, church. This morning, the remedy for your worry and anxiety is knowing that God will care for you. Knowing that he will care for you because you're his greatest creation. Knowing that he cares for you by sending, he cared for you by sending his son to, to the cross so that you can really understand your value. The remedy for anxiety is his care, is his value, and it's our pursuit of his holiness. Your life won't be the same if you allow me to work. Hallelujah. Your life won't be the same if you allow me to, to tear out from your heart those evil desires and those things that hold you from my holy presence. You won't be the same. Allow me to work, says the Lord. Allow me to, to show you your value. Hallelujah. This morning, his precious sacrifice at Calvary was for his greatest creation. You and me. Hallelujah. As the worship team gets ready to, to come up, I value you, says the Lord. I value you, says the Lord. No one will love you the way I love you. 
No one will, will care for you the way I care for you. Hallelujah. Allow the, the Spirit of God with all eyes closed to move here. No one will do what I can do for you. Hallelujah. I thank you for your son, Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you for your sacrifice in Calvary. Oh, there's a sweet presence here. Hallelujah. Allow God to minister to you with all eyes closed. As the worship team gets ready, the altar will be open and we have our pastors here that are willing to pray for you. If I want you to take something this morning is I'm valuable. The altar is open for prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.